ESPN Audio and SC Featured presents a 16-episode podcast, Pin Kings. It's the story of two All-American high school wrestlers, teammates, and friends who ultimately ended up on the opposite sides of the war on drugs. Pin Kings is for mature audiences. Welcome to Episode 6, The Coach. What kind of relationship did Alex have with Coach Zimbler? A very strong, close, personal relationship. I believe more so than than my relationship with Coach Zimbler. This is Kevin Pedersen, a former highly decorated DEA agent and a lead character in our story. I think it was unique. I think it was more so than maybe anyone else that I had associated with on a wrestling team. And in some ways, I was jealous of that. You were? Yes. Well, I mean, even in later, you know, even as a more mature person, when you should know better. Kevin and Alex were best friends. Champion wrestling buddies. The heydays of Miami. Alex Tecubis was clearly a kingpin. It's a, it's a tragic story. The less you know, the more you leave. I wanted to take out the biggest drug dealers. If they were catching me, he's going away for the rest of his life if they don't kill him when they try to capture him. Could you imagine if Kevin has to shoot Alex? He's a sworn federal agent for a drug enforcement agency. Well, evil goes to jail or evil ends up dead. Welcome to the SC Featured Podcast, Pin Kings. My name is Brett Forrest. I'm a senior writer at ESPN The Magazine. And I'm John Fish, a producer for ESPN. Coaches, do you remember your coaches from when you were younger? Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, you know, they're really a mixed bag. I mean, some coaches were just there killing time, you know, and, and uh, other there were other coaches you tried to connect with, but they were they kind of favored other guys on the team. Mm-hmm. But there were some you really you really connected with. And, and that can be a powerful relationship because you're, you're growing into an adult. You want to show the coach that you're worth it. You want him to value you enough to let you in on life. Kevin and Alex were lucky enough to have that kind of coach at Palmetto High School in mm-hmm. Miami. Hall of Fame wrestling coach Barry Zimbler. Who was Barry Zimbler? Who was Barry Zimbler? Second father to a lot of guys. This is Mike Pedersen. Kevin's older brother, who also wrestled for the high school team. Highly respected. I look back on it now, he was, yeah, I think he was in his mid-30s when he was coaching. And I look back now, I, he seemed like an old guy to us, but we were high school 10th, 11th, and 12th graders. We all loved him. He just, he had that, we respected him. We loved him. He was tough. Physically, we were in shape. Coach Zimbler brought us to another level conditioning-wise. Uh, he had us at top-level shape. And we blended pretty well as a team. He set goals. He had some traits that a lot of us took on in life. Here's Barry Zimbler. To a lot of kids, I was like a a father figure. And uh, I I realized that role very early. You learn that some kids are sensitive and some kids can't take that kind of hard face-to-face helmet-holding coach. And I tried to temper myself, and I was able to do that. It was teaching. I loved being a teacher. And I was able to teach. In the 70s, Barry Zimbler built a powerhouse program at Palmetto High School. That was remarkable since he had never wrestled himself. He was a football coach. And he was also the guidance counselor at Palmetto High School, which kind of made sense because 
As he learned the sport of wrestling himself, beginning in the, I think in the late 60s, he was able to influence his wrestlers toward a, toward a real future. Well, wrestling attracts across the board. Some kids are looking for a way to toughen themselves up. Yep. And some are pretty wild already and in need of discipline and some structure. What sort of presence did Coach Zimbler have? I'm the man in charge. This is Kevin Pedersen. He ran a tight ship, and uh, he was a motivator, a leader. On the other hand, if you needed him, he was there for you. I mean, he, he was definitely a, a disciplinarian that, that ran a very tight ship. Sometimes with Coach Zimbler, practices were nonstop wrestling. Dom Gorey was a teammate on that Palmetto High School wrestling team, and he went on to be a commander for the space shuttle. We would go sometimes for 30, 40 minutes of live wrestling without stopping. And when we would go to matches and talk to other teams and, and talk to their wrestlers, they would ask me, how is Palmetto so good? And that was my, my big answer was that their practices were tough. They were different than most other teams, and we would just go, go, go with wrestling. And it wasn't so much with technique as conditioning and just overwhelming other teams with our conditioning. It was hard, and I often used to say that I couldn't wrestle for me. This is Coach Zimbler. It was hard. I worked them very well and very hard. In fact, Kevin, that you've talked with, said that uh, uh, very, very hard practices, but I knew what it was going to take to win and to wrestle other teams, and we're not going to be a beaten by some team that's physically or mentally superior to us because we were going to be physically and mentally superior to everybody else. So I would say that my practices were very hard. Why couldn't you wrestle for you? When I had to put those kids through, I would take a different mindset uh, to do what they did. Very, very tough practices, but it really paid off. We were a very, very good team. Miami Palmetto High School is located in the Pinecrest section of Dade County. It's the southern end, due west of Key Biscayne. It's very much a suburban area. Yeah, what is Pinecrest like? It's beautiful. It's green streets. It's overgrown. I mean, you're it's, driving down the streets there, and sometimes you don't even see the sun. It, it's because of all the foliage. yeah, because all the palm leaves. It's yeah. quiet. It's suburban. There's yeah, it's nice, nice homes. Place. It's a great community. Yeah. Uh, and in the in the 70s, it, it may be hard to believe it now, but in the 70s, people in Pinecrest, they were really into high school wrestling. Really into high school wrestling. This is Mike Pedersen. We actually had some of the cheerleaders would show up some of our wrestling matches. We would have, back then, over 1,000 people at some home matches, which for Florida, and even these days, uh, you, don't, you don't see that. You know, football is still king in, in Florida and uh, a lot of other states. But wrestling back then, we, I think it was... The Miami Herald and the community newspapers, we had a lot of press coverage. A lot of press coverage for, for wrestling. Thankfully, some sports writers back then knew the toughness of the sport. Uh, so wrestlers were looked at. We had a lot of publicity to back it up. And we had a, it was a, it was an indoor football game. I mean, you, we had a home match. Uh, we, we would have one home, one or two home matches a week, usually Wednesday or Thursday and, and maybe a Friday or something or Saturday. These days, there's a lot of weekend tournaments that last all day, so people don't go to them. Back then, it was a social event. It was like, you know, you go to the wrestling match, we wrestle Miami Coral Park or wrestle Southwest. You know, for a month, there'd be buildup. You go, you guys go to the match. So it was a social event to go to the wrestling matches. So wrestlers were, it was nice because the gym was full. 
There were a lot of people coming to watch you wrestle. Wrestling was was held in high esteem. Barry Zimbler explains. Well, we were winners. The first year that I coached, we were four and four. The next year was like a nine and three. And then after that, it was unbeaten seasons and uh, just uh, big time scores. And people wanted to see that. The school took pride in what we were doing. I think we probably were the best in terms of attendance. Kids coming to matches and things like that. There were a number of matches that we had to change the location to Dade South uh, in their gym at Miami-Dade College South. We couldn't fit all the kids in that wanted to come. They used to get up on the roof and look through the windows. Everybody loves a winner. We had the longest streak going at that time. We won 37 straight matches. It was uh, two and a half, three years. 1973, 74, 75, 76, those years in there. Probably 11 individual state champs. There were people coming out to watch them in the rafters. They would literally poke their heads through the window. 11 individual state champions. But. Always a but. Palmetto couldn't win the big one. Zimbler's teams, they, they couldn't win the state championship of Florida. Mike Pedersen was there. A lot of good wrestlers came out of that program, but we had not been state champs. We, we were known as the, we were crushing teams in dual meets. Because our solid 12 guys, we had a tough guy in every weight class. The title state champs eluded us. So it was always just like right there. We just kept missing it. Second, third, fourth, second again. To be that close and know that as a team, you could beat every single team in the state in a dual meet, and we did. We just kept eluding us. So it was a pressure for Coach Limmer. I think it was self-generated on his part. Fate was just kept pulling it away from us. In the 10th grade, Kevin and Alex got to high school. They joined this powerhouse program. They themselves had had a lot of success already. When you go back to junior high, they, they had each been county wrestling champions and, and undefeated. Well, it was a, it's a, it was a feeder program. Right. The, the junior high school program was amazing, right. which led to this amazing high school program. They both knew that Coach Zimbler, though, had a strict rule. Spots on the varsity were reserved for upperclassmen. This is 1974. Zimbler's catching a ton of heat. He can't win the big one. This is Andrew DeWitt, who went to high school with Alex and Kevin in Miami. I know Coach Zimbler's told me, you know, well after that, that that really ate at him. Uh, so I think that there was pressure on him. He put a lot of pressure on himself. He probably put a lot of pressure on that on that team that year. And in early practices, Zimbler sees something in the wrestling room. Dom Gorey describes it. My earliest memories of Alex were when he was a sophomore. And this short, squat, powerful kid that um, was younger than, than I was, was able to do things physically that, that were beyond sort of the comprehension of most guys in the room. So he, early on, had this this power, strength, this capability to do things on the, in the wrestling room and on the mat in competition that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me how that worked. Somebody that's that young, that had these natural abilities, that, uh, that he, was, he was just powerful. What was Alex able to do on the mat that surprised you? He could take guys that were far bigger than him and he could throw them around like they were 
grade school kids. His power was just impressive. And when you were in the room with him, it wasn't always there. He was one of those guys that could bring to competition a level of performance that's it's unpredictable. You can't find that in all athletes. I think what Alex had was, was power and speed that his competition just didn't have. At the high school level, at a 190 pounds up, you didn't find the speed and strength with, that, that Alex had, and he had it at an early age. At 15, 16 years old, he was, he was dominating kids that were 17 and 18 years old with his, his speed and power. And he could get in on guys' legs, he could control it from the top, even though he was much smaller in height, but he had, he had this dominance with speed and strength. Kevin, who was wrestling as a lightweight, had a far different experience. When I was in 10th grade, you know, I know I could have started, and I know I could have placed in the state. I think I could have won the state. And my brother was the captain of the team, and I kept going to my brother and said, I, I want to wrestle off this guy. I never got a shot in 10th grade to get on varsity. So it was hard because that was the system. You know, there's already a system built up, and uh, hey, you're going to wrestle JV because you're, you're in 10th grade. Although, there was one exception. And that was Alex DeCubis. Coach Zimbler's feeling this pressure. Well, it's in the Miami Herald. He can't win the big one. <laughs> he can't get away from it. I mean, despite all the success he's had, everyone expects him to reach that next level. He's tired of hearing about it, never winning the state title. And what does he do? He, he breaks his own rule, and he brings Alex DeCubis up to the varsity. And it's the right move. Even though he's usually the younger guy on the mat, Alex goes out. He's undefeated through the season. He's wrestling at a heavyweight at 210 pounds. Sometimes he's going against guys who are 230. Yeah, he looks overmatched in almost every, every match. 230, 240, it didn't matter. He threw them around. His matches didn't last long. And you know that, that really reflected the way the team as a whole performed that year in 1974. They just coasted through the season. And at the end of it, here we are again. 1974 Florida State Championship. They're primed and ready. They're the favorites. We've heard the story before as they go into Stranahan High School in Fort Lauderdale. But things don't go according to plan. There we go again, Palmetto. Kevin's brother, Mike, he's a captain on the team. He doesn't make it to the finals in his weight class. A few other teammates get upset. They lose. And it looks like it's the same old thing that is going to happen to Palmetto. Close, but no title. Yeah, close, but not close enough. And in fact, when it comes down to it, at the very end of the state tournament, all eyes are focused on one match because Palmetto has one chance left to win the state title. And it all rests on the shoulders of this 10th grader who shouldn't even really be there, Alex DeCubis just this thing out of a movie. This is Scott Schraus. In the penultimate match of the tournament, he's in there for the state title, and it's an undefeated senior he's going against. And in order for Palmetto to win the title, he actually has to pin the guy. Well, people aren't really expecting him to win, much less Zindler goes to him before the match. And I was around a lot, so I'm helping him warm up and this, and Zindler's like, you know, if you pin this guy, we're going to get the state title. And, you know, Alex is just focused on, he's not really engaging in that. Alex gets behind in the match, then he's ahead, and going into the third period, the match is tied. 
Mike Pedersen remembers. He had to win his match. He loses, we're in second place. We got eluded again. 10th grade Alex wins his match, and he's state champ, we're state champs. So pressure on him was tremendous. I mean, how does a 10th grader deal with it? I'm sitting there off to the side. I didn't watch his match. I, I was just listening. The clock is ticking down to 30 seconds. Alex makes a move. Here's Scott Shiraz. He's very, very fit, so the other, the other guy's getting a little more tired, and then he starts to turn him, and then it's this get your chin in his chest, hurt him, you know, pinch his head, dig in his chest, and Alex drives him over, pins the guy, and, you know, it's, it's just something, it's literally like something out of a corny movie, and everybody's losing it, and... Alex's dad is dancing, Zimbler is dancing, everybody's just as happy as can be. Mike Pedersen reflects. I finally heard, I heard, heard the slap of a mat pin, and I, I kind of looked and saw Coach Zimbler jumping up, and I saw everybody jumping up and cheering, and I'm over in the corner going, yes, he did it. How did Coach Zimbler react to Alex's victory? Couldn't wipe the smile off his face. Tears in his eyes. We were state champs. Finally. Finally. And it was a 10th grader, Palmetto State champs. I mean, hard to describe. I mean, I, I'll, I'll admit, I had tears coming out of my eyes. All these years later, Barry Zimbler still vividly remembers that moment in time. There was a mob of people streaming out of the stands. It was just incredible. It was a great feeling. As a sophomore, for him to win the state championship, uh, it was incredible showing athletically and heart-wise. I'm a very emotional guy. And uh, I started uh, weeping. I teared up pretty good. And he did too. And that was the kind of young man that I was happy that I was able to coach. Well, I was very proud of what had happened. I was proud that he did it. And he, he, uh, you know, there was a lot of controversy even in the newspapers sometimes because Zimbler has acquired this, and he's done this, and he, but he never wore it, won a state championship. He had several unbeaten seasons, uh, that kind of thing, uh, but he's never won a state championship. I've never won a Super Bowl, Dan Marino, you know, that kind of stuff. So the emotions spilled out, very much so. And uh, if that was the beginning of a strong relationship with Alex, then so be it. Kevin was totally excluded from this magical Palmetto moment. The guy who wrestled in his weight class on varsity that year, he he failed to make the state tournament. Kevin, meanwhile, he's on the JV. He goes undefeated that year. And the next year, 1975, their junior year, Alex and Kevin's junior year, Kevin is brought up to the varsity. What did he do? He went undefeated. Yeah, he had a lot. He had a lot to prove. He goes undefeated. So does Alex. And by the end of that season, 1975, they're in the state tournament again. They're they're both favored to win the state title. The team well, is happens? favored. Yeah, well, <laughs> they they both lose in the semifinals, and because of their losses, Palmetto fails to win the team title. That is their only loss on their record to date. So senior year. 1976, with something to prove, Alex and Kevin, Kevin and Alex, selected as team captains. 
but they're pretty different from one another, even though they're captains. Here's Barry Zimbler on Alex. He was a good kid. He was a good guy. He was, uh, you know, other athletes were drawn to him because he was a role model, a role model. And I think that carried over into his personal life. There are some kids that are naturally gifted athletes. This is Mike Pedersen. And Alex DeCubis was naturally gifted athlete. There's no doubt about it. You can see it. He really didn't have to do the extra work. Most of us outside of that, we've got to do the extra work. And uh, Kevin knew that. He just knew that. Kevin had a clear philosophy. I don't believe a coach makes a champion. A champion makes a champion. A coach can help a champion, but a champion's going to do everything extra that he has to do on his own. But a champion, to be a champion, to be an undefeated champion, um, in whatever field you are, you've got to, to me, you've got to give it everything you've got. You've got to eat, sleep, live wrestling, run to practice, run home from practice, work out all year long, go to off-season tournaments, go to, go to wrestling camps, um, learn, work hard in practice, wrestle p- bigger people, don't be afraid to get beat in practice, get beat in practice, uh, try new moves. You've got to give it everything you've got to be a champion. What kind of wrestler were you? I was a dang good wrestler. I was a champion that ate, slept, lived, died wrestling. And that's what I did. Describe your training regime. I would get up in the morning and run. I would uh, go to school. I would run home from school. I'd run back to practice. I had practice. Um, before I went to bed at night, I would run again. I'd eat something, weigh myself, and I'd run again, and then I'd go to bed. So I ran and ran and ran. My wife will ask you now, she's probably still say I, I run almost every day still in the mornings. Probably an addiction. <laughs> but I ran like crazy because I knew that I had to have that, that, that wind endurance. I had to have the cardiovascular endurance. In practice, I would always ask the coach to give me bigger people. I always wanted to wrestle with bigger, bigger kids because then when I'd wrestle people my own size, I, I, I felt better. Um, I wanted to get beat in practice. I wanted to get beat up in practice. I lifted weights all year long. Um, I didn't ever stop lifting weights. I mean, I, even in the off season, I'd, I'd run at least twice, three times a day. What was he really going for? Why was he working so hard? People told us that after wrestling practice, Alex would hop into the car and shoot off to a party or to the beach or hang out with friends. Kevin would be jogging around the football field. And when Alex would drive home from the party, Kevin, in full sweats, would still be running. I think that's that's what Kevin was working for. He was, he was really working for what Alex had because Alex was already a state champion. And not only that, but, but Alex, he had the love and affection of his coach, Coach Zimbler. Alex also had the love of his father. He really didn't have much to work for. He had it all. By contrast... Kevin's father was distant. He was still suffering from World War II, and he was drinking. Kevin was missing something. As a young man in high school, what I, what I, what I longed for was affection. What I did get from Coach Zimber was appreciation and recognition, absolutely, which I needed. I needed that as a young man. I think what I wanted more from him was affection. Going into the 1976 season, their, their senior year, Alex and Kevin are captaining the team, but with very different approaches. However, they're linked in their competitive drive. Here's Kevin. He, he would always beat up on me at the beginning of practice every day. Um, it was Pedersen and the Cubist wrestling. 
in practice. And he'd, you know, of course he'd hammer me and kill me. We were probably about 100 pounds different in weight class. Like I was 110 and he was 185. He pretty much rolled me around any old way he wanted to and laid on me and sweated on me and, and just, you know, just uh, abused me. It was just a matter of me surviving. So Kevin and Alex go through the 1976 season undefeated again. And they reach the state tournament again, making it to the finals of their weight class. So what happened in the 1976 state tournament? Fortunately, I got to wrestle in the finals, the same individual that I had lost to the year before in the semifinals. And it was a great match. I enjoyed every second of that match. I can tell you this, at the end of that match, I don't even know if I broke a sweat. I was in the best possible shape I could be in. And no one was going to win. No one was going to beat me that night. There's just no way. Um, There's no excuses. There's nothing to be left behind. And I knew I was going to win. But that was a great, that was a great evening. Kevin won the state title. How did your father react to your championship? He came down and embraced me. Came in, down and embraced me. Usually, my dad would just come down and shake my hand. But he did come down and embrace me which was a victory for me and, and him, I'm sure. I know dang well, I know how proud he was of me. And I knew it at that moment, how proud he was of me. Because it was almost like it was the end. My goal had been to be an undefeated state champion. And I had achieved it. What did it mean to you when your father came down and gave you that hug? Vindication, everything. Alex went out and equaled Kevin's success, winning his second individual title, and Palmetto won the team championship, the second title for Coach Barry Zimbler. Alex's final record at Palmetto was a remarkable 88-1. Kevin's final record at Palmetto High School, 63-1. So they, they shared a lot, but they were really opposites. One guy was big, the other small. One guy was a natural athlete. The other one had to really work for it. One was highly social. The other guy was an introvert. But they were joined on the mat by Coach Zimbler, who was really, for them, another father. There was one more link in their bond that has yet to come. Here's Kevin. Coach Zimmer called me into the office and said, uh, hey, just to let you know, and he called Alex in, we sent something off and you're going to be in next month's uh, Sports Illustrated in the faces of crowd section. I'm like, wow, how does this happen to us? I mean, how does this even happen? I mean, two kids from South Florida. Little did Alex and Kevin know that while they were peering out from the pages of Sports Illustrated, the real story of the coming decade was developing and it was about to swallow them up. Thank you for listening to the SC Featured Podcast, Pin Kings. You can follow Pin Kings on Twitter at ESPN Pin Kings. That's at ESPN Pin Kings. A preview of the next episode follows this message. Next on Pin Kings, Episode 7, College. It all became a blur. This freshman kid came up here. He's going into frat parties and just picking up the keg and walking out with it. Hardest experience I've ever been through in my life. Just the emotional, the strain, the hazing. The football players called him the crazy Cuban. I wanted to quit. Don't miss an episode. You can listen and subscribe to the Pin Kings podcast in the ESPN app or download and listen on Apple Podcasts.